0: Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter-day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings, from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Welcome back, Scriptorians. This is Lori, and we are still in First Nephi 16 through well, the end of First Nephi. So join us as we finish up the journey of Nephi and his family. All right, so there's so much to go through and they're just fantastic things. So a couple of things that that to ponder as you cover this and as what we'll do today. When we did the last time for the Come Follow Me kind of the same chapters we really looked a lot at this overall view, taking a step back and looking at the three major themes, the atoning Messiah gathering of Israel and the covenant and the ful- fulfillment of the covenant. And, and you'll see those all the time. And so there's so much there to go through in 16, 17, 18, that you, you may want to go back and go back through those. And then in the end, 21, 22, you're going to see those same themes covered again and again. And so I want to cover that, and then two, we're going to also hit some great uh, story, so the narrative picks back up, and, and a lot of time is going to go on in these short chapters, but we get back into the narrative, and that may be something that's really a lot, very interesting to you, and especially if you're working with youth or kids, or well, just who doesn't like a story, all of us like stories, so so there's great stories of Leahona and and the ship, and all kinds of things there, so there's that, and then again, we're ending the book and so as we talked about last time why does nephi have a, a couple of books instead of one book and and so we'll definitely cover that also part of our first topic so uh first just an apology i'm getting this out really late i've had a really busy week with school and work and i have been studying school for all week and so I have been doing Greek New Testament texts and um, a lot of theology, which theology is really different. Um, it's almost philosophy, uh, studying it. So it is just gets my brain working a different way. So apologize for the late. But if you are interested in ancient Greek texts or moral deistic theology, I'm your gal this week. All right, so let's head into it. So when we left off, the, the first thing we talked about was those Nephi coming back from those visions and his interactions with his brothers. Now, we talked about the three main themes, or uh, there could be more, but I just outlined three, and we were going to get our highlighters and maybe go through the challenge um, of, of looking for those, especially just in First Nephi, and I think you'll find it really fascinating. But as we take that step back, let's take a breath and say, hmm, Why does Nephi spend so much time in those sections It's really early on? We're still well into the first year of their journey, and he's reflecting back. Remember, Nephi is writing this much later. Like, doesn't he say like 30 years later? So he's, you know, his 50s or 60s, and he's going to say, I've got to write the story of my family. And he's going to tell a story. I think that's important because if you were going to tell the story and the Lord had said, hey, I want you to make big plates, which are the history and the kingdoms and the fighting and the wars and all that politics that you wanted to write, that'd be the large plates. These are the small plates, which are about the salvation um, and the spiritual, the ministering of Christ to the, to the Nephites and, and family. What would you write? And in these, we see those themes. So he's going to have these, this vision when he's really, his kind of calling as a prophet, we might say, with Lehi, his um, starting to understand. But we also see a couple of really critical things in the narrative. And that is we see this separation with his brothers become more and more profound. And he's going to outline that. So remember, if he's talking from his, you know, his past and saying, reflecting back on what he wants to explain, it's like, how did this happen? How did we leave Jerusalem? How did we end up where I'm Nephi and I'm kind of the king of the Nephites and I'm the younger brother? How did all of this get there? And and to kind of explain the story, because it is really unique right it should be the older brothers they, why did they even leave Jerusalem uh just so much going on that that he's gonna make sure and tell us that so as he tells that story you'll see he really spends a lot of time explaining to the layman and Lemuel and what happened with them if we take a further step back I think we also see that he's telling us that hey the Nephites aren't going to make it either and he sees that right in in vision he sees that and he says this We see the other prophets, especially uh, the latter prophets of the Book of Mormon, saying, hey, this is senior time, and none of us make it. But you guys will make it through our writings, through our story. So he's going to be very careful to tell us the important things that maybe they missed that we want to make sure we don't miss. Again, the atoning Messiah, the fulfillment of the Lord's covenants, and the gathering, the scattering and the gathering of Israel. Okay, so let's go back then. Um, That's just kind of the overview that I think is really powerful here. Um, Chapter 16 starts with, uh, It came to pass that I, Nephi, had made an end of speaking to my brethren. and Behold, they said to me, Thou hast declared unto us hard things more than we are able to bear. And it came to pass that I said unto them that I knew that I had spoken hard things against the wicked according to the truth. And the righteous have I justified and testified that they should be lifted up at the last day. Wherefore, the guilty taketh the truth to be hard, for it cutteth them to the very center. And now, my brethren, if you were righteous and you were willing to hearken to the truth and give heed unto it, that you might walk uprightly before God, then you would not murmur because of the truth and say, Thou speaketh hard things against us. So these three verses, I think, are a super uh, strong lesson of how Uh, something we can pull into ourselves. So Nephi is taking a step back, as we just said, but he's also going to tell us something in our personal application. How do we react to truth? Do we take it hard and say, oh, that's no way that's that can't be right. That's too hard. Um, Or are we somebody that can say, wow, I, I, uh, I can testify, I can uh, listen, or, or maybe we just even remember Nephi's first reaction, a lot of these reactions to his father, he's thinking about it, right? And he prays to see and understand them. He doesn't always just accept everything, just okay, right? He's like, wow, that's tough stuff. And and so he thinks about it, he prays, he asks, um, and so he humbly is taught by the Lord and these things. So I think these three are a great lesson to us and how truth and and the gospel impacts us. And perhaps if we're resisting it, maybe we say, oh, that's, that's hard to hear. Um, I I think we can all see ourselves in that a little bit. um, And we can certainly, (laughs) it's easy to pick on others. Uh, They must, they must uh, not accept it because they're, they're not very obedient, but that's all of us. All right. So uh, then we have this uh, uh, verse four and five came to pass that I, Nephi, did exhort my brethren with all diligence to keep the commandments of the Lord. And it came to pass that they did humble themselves before the Lord insomuch that I had joy and great hopes of them that they would walk in the paths of righteousness. So uh, N- Nephi gets a chance to really talk to his brothers and it feels like Laman Lemuel it's such a personal experience. You can almost see that the brothers, he's got hope, and, and they're starting to, their hearts are pricked, right? They, they humbled themselves, and so he can see that they there's hope there. And we're going to see this a couple of times um, a little bit later. We'll, um, actually, we'll jump there now. Let's go over to uh, 21 because I want to show you this theme that goes through. So I'm going to flip there. Okay, so let's jump to 19. I got pretty excited there. So I, I got a little ahead of myself. But we talked about that theme of the atoning Messiah. And then also this, you know, remember last time I said, why does he do two books? and Why does he quote from Isaiah so much? And they're, it's the same answer. And I think it's this idea of saving his brothers and saving us will while trying to explain the Messiah. So if you go to 19, you'll see there's this transition where Nephi is going to uh, go to this new topic about writing on the plates. And so I'm not, I'm just going to paraphrase, but he says that, hey, I, just we said, hey, I, I'm going to do large plates and I don't know why I had to make these second plates, but I made these second plates and the Lord told me that they're supposed to be the ministry prophecies um, and they should be written on these plates and then I'm going to be handing them down. And so then he says, so that's what I did and it, and I made the large plates, etc., And then he goes on, to the significant uh, verse 5 in chapter 19. And an account of making these plates shall be given hereafter. And then, behold, I proceed according to that which I have spoken. And this I do, that the more sacred things may be kept for the knowledge of my people. So Nephi spells out this purpose of the small plates. They're the more sacred things, and therefore, specifically, the knowledge of my people. So it's, it's, for the future and for sacred. It's for the future and for sacred. Nevertheless, I do not write anything on these plates, save it be that I think it be sacred. And now if I do err, even did they err of old, not that I would excuse myself because of other men, but because of the weakness which is in me, according to the flesh, I would excuse myself. Um, obviously he's saying, hey, if I write anything, it's just... It's, it's just a man-made error, etc., uh, just like any of the other prophets. But I love He's like, well, I'm not blaming the other prophets. Um, but he's trying to say this is how Scripture works, right? That there's a, a relational uh, viewpoint of the prophet themselves. It's how they see and write. So I love that. Um, For the things which some men esteem to be of great worth, both to the body and soul, others set it not and trample under their feet. Yea, even the very God of Israel do men trample under their feet. I say trample under their feet, but I would speak in other words. They set him at naught, and hearkened not to the voice of his counsel. So here Nephi goes to that theme of the atoning Messiah. So we're similar to the structure you saw in First Nephi nine and ten. There was a discussion. Remember we were talking about that. It was like he was telling the story, and then there was this weird little aside in in First Nephi nine and ten about the physical plates, and then he has this discussion about the Messiah. And here you see the pattern repeats. He talks about the plates, and then he talks about what's most important, the Messiah, the thing that he says is greatest worth, just like he did in 1 Nephi 10.1. So he's going to tell the narrative, which we always jump to, but he's like, that's just to understand what's going on. But I'm writing these plates this, that you're reading so I can tell you about the atoning Messiah, the real Messiah point i think that nephi's tone here is is trying to explore kind of the feelings that we're going to have you can hear kind of his exhaustion and some of this explaining it but also his passion so i desire to tell you this and i i get tired when people just set him at not they trample under their feet it might even i love that uh, analogy analogy he's given it isn't that they're actively just shoving christ down they just don't care just apathy. And boy, what could describe our society more than apathy, right? Yeah, that's pretty true. So that's the great um, contrast that I think he's doing. So then he reminds us in 1 Nephi nineteen eight, and behold, he cometh according to the words of the angel in 600 years from the time my father left Jerusalem. And so he's going to remind us that this is the prophecy that is coming uh, into the future that Christ is coming. It's so hard to imagine that this was you know, 2,600 years ago. It just feels like it was just a few days ago when you hear him as such real people. I just, I just love that. But he is going to remind us of the, uh, the prophecies. Uh, and let's see, I'm just going to jump down to 9 and 10. He just says, And in the world, because of their iniquity, shall judge him to be a thing of naught. Wherefore they scourge scourge him, and he suffereth it; and they smite him, and he suffereth it. Yea, they spit upon him, and he suffereth it, because of his loving kindness and his long suffering towards the children of men. Um, this really echoes. You'll see, it's different, but echoes uh, Isaiah fifty three, uh, the suffering servant. Will he be rejected of men? Man of sorrows, born our griefs. Um. And, and I think that it's, it's so poignant that Nephi is going to be familiar with Isaiah, but he's also going to make sure we understand that God is going to love us enough that he lets his son come down and be smitten and scourged and suffereth. And I love the line very end because of his loving kindness and his long suffering towards the children of men. He does it because he loves us. Uh, one aside, since I've been doing um, New Testament history lessons this week, um, we were talking about how uh, that we got the Bible, actually. So it's a, it's a class on text and canon, where we get all the books and what copies we have and how old the manuscripts and things like that. And one thing that's interesting that the professor was having us study this week was um, in later like 1000 medieval period uh, 1000 AD a lot of Christians this would be in Europe um, were realizing that they didn't have uh, the ancient Hebrew they didn't speak Hebrew anymore and, and there were enough people who spoke Greek but they didn't speak Hebrew so they wanted to go back and learn ancient Hebrew and the only place to learn Hebrew I mean Israel didn't exist at this point anymore Palestine really so uh, were Jews. So they're in Eastern Europe, and they go to some Jews, and there's one in particular, and his name is the Rabbi Itzak or Shlomo Itzhak, uh, which is uh, Solomon Isaac, was what we'd say the rabbi. And so they go, he goes by an acronym of his name, so it's Rashi, uh, Rashi, Rabbi Shlomo Itzak. And, and, and they said that he was teaching them Hebrew. These these Christian scholars, and in the Christians and the Jews didn't get along at this point, and so the Jews were already pushed into kind of ghettos and things like that that you're going to see uh, later. But um, very despised people by a lot of the Christian by the Christians themselves, actually. Um, it's an oversimplification. However, here's the interesting point. I was having a hard time getting to. The they write in that period that the that the rabbis at the time knew that the Old Testament would have been Messianic and talked about the Messiah. But he specifically says, well, I've got to kind of protect my people. um, So I'm going to tell him, no, no, that's not how the rabbis interpret all these scriptures. Uh, They they don't interpret that at all about uh, the Messiah. And so the professor's point was, even back in 1000, people knew that the Bible had been, the Messiah had been kind of filtered out in the Old Testament a little bit. And if we look back to it, we might see a little bit more. Interesting now, so that's Rashi for you telling us to not interpret that, just to protect his own people. But then that's where a lot of the interpretations came from, as they learned Hebrew from there, and then that carried through for a thousand years. Anyway, so here we are clarifying that point that the Messiah is going to come, and he is going to be uh, suffering because of his loving kindness. And from here, we're going to see that now the story is going to change, and it's going to go to the the idea of the Messiah and we're going to go back through the salvation and the deliverance and Exodus. So it even goes all the way back and he quotes Zenos and Zinic, uh these prophets we don't have anymore, but he's going to write his, we call it Christology, his his message about the Messiah and explaining uh, everything that we're going to learn about Christ. So this section is kind of an aside, a personal reflection, and it's going to contain these ideas and events. And Nephi's writing for a future audience, remember? And they're not necessarily present. It could be his own family, or it could be us. So he is going to cover the birth, the crucifixion, Israel's ultimate redemption, because Nephi sees that as the redemption, as this possibility that's going to happen for all of us. And so he wants to tie that in. Now, if you follow the story... He's worried about his own family, his brothers, and then later his own family, the Nephites, that are going to fail as well. So he's writing this to write for his family and also a distant audience like ourselves. So why is he, why is he going to use Isaiah? Why is he going to teach us um, from Zenic and Zenus and his own personal? Because he wants to make sure we understand the Messiah. He He wants to make sure we understand that. Okay, so let's go back to our question from last time. Why does Nephi have two books? Why does Nephi have two books? And why does he quote so much from Isaiah? So, we've already answered it. And you can start, once you see it, you just see it everywhere. It's to teach us about the Messiah. It's to teach us about the purpose of these small plates, which is to redeem the people, both the Nephites, the future of the Lehites, right, that whole organization, but also us, the future people, the whole world, including the living and the dead. And I think that's what's so powerful, is he wants us to, he's going to tell us the story, you got to know the story, and there are great lessons there. The Broken Bow, the Leahona, building a ship, I will go and I will do, there are amazing stories in there. But he's telling us, I think, that to show us about the role of the Messiah. And he's going to tell us so that he can redeem us, redeem his family. And he's going to show that the Lord keeps his covenants to save his people and that he is going to, this, they're scattering right now, right? The The family of Israel is being scattered, the Ephraimites, the Manassehites, uh, the Josephites, right? They're being scattered through Lehi and, and uh, Ishmael's family. But he is using that to gather them all back in. And so he's saying, this is how this is happening This is part of it, and it's part of the Lord's loving kindness and long-suffering to the children of men. Well, that's it, scriptorians. Uh, Good luck. Um, We will hit it hard next time and still continue to talk a little bit more about Isaiah and my favorite. We'll have to do a little bit more all about. We'll take some steps back and talk about it. However, what I'll do is I'm not going to talk about the biblical Isaiah, meaning every Old Testament story. We're going to look at specifically how Nephi uses it uh, so that we can understand why he's only taking the chapters that he is, and it's really powerful. So join me as we continue on into our favorite, favorite second Nephi and the Isaiah chapters coming soon. Keep on reading, scriptorians.